Hey guys, I just wanted to sneak in here real quick and remind you that Brooke and I have actually created an incredible online self-guided audio course just for you. It's live right now. Click the link in the description box below to check it out. If you're tired of diets, having anxiety around food, worrying about what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat, then this course is perfect for you. We take you from where you're at now to a life of food freedom. There's 10 modules filled with audio lectures and journal prompts that will help you dig deep and make lasting change. Okay, thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Diet Riders. To the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Brooke Miller. I'm Alyssa Miller. We're both dietitians. Both moms. Both live in Colorado. Both from the Midwest. Both currently quarantined still. <laughs> yeah, we're still quarantined. And today we have a special guest who is also in the Midwest. So we're really excited to have some thick accents going on today. <laughs> you guys will be pumped to hear about it. Yeah, so we've got Colleen over here from, you guys probably know her from Instagram, at No Food Rolls with periods in between. She's incredible. She also has a YouTube channel that she just started. And I'm going to throw it over to her to kind of introduce herself. Maybe, Colleen, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and, you know, like you're a dietitian and how you became a dietitian? and how you kind of got into this intuitive eating space. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. So thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a blast. And like you said, we've got a lot of Midwest accents going on here. So always love that. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm also a registered dietitian and I really work with the food freedom space. So helping especially women really learn to eat without guilt eat without stress, eat without anxiety, and to eat in a way that allows them to feel good without being obsessed with nutrition. And the reason that I do this work is because that was me. I, when I was starting to become a dietitian, I have like many dietitians of a very, very type A personality. We're perfectionists. We want to do everything. Perfect. We sure are. And <laughs> that includes eating, right? So I just took it to the extreme and was just very, very obsessed with having food rules. And I could only eat certain things at certain times if I exercised a certain amount. And it just got to a point where I felt like I wasn't living my life. I mean, it impacted everything. It impacted the way I was able to socialize, the way my then boyfriend and now husband were able to actually go on dates because goodness knows I wouldn't allow it if it was a place I didn't feel comfortable eating. Um, and I mean, when you're in college, it's all like the bars and the fried foods and whatnot. So I just felt like I really wasn't living and food is meant to be enjoyed. It's yes, it's nourishment, but it's so much more and it should not be a stressor in your life. So I, it took me six years to come out of that obsession. I was really, really trying. I tried so many different things and really for me, what worked is how would I try to teach to other women to be able to learn to listen to your body and eat in a way that feels good. Yes. You want to eat in a way that provides you nourishment, provides you fuel, but also be flexible and go get a cupcake on a whim or go for an ice cream run and not have to feel like you are so just anxiety ridden from it because it's this balance that we're all looking for with 
feeling this freedom yet nourishing our bodies that is really what no food rules is all about so just doing everything in a way that gives you that balance that makes you feel good and that's really what i what i help women with today that's incredible. She is so, you guys, she's so effective with the way that she talks to you. Like she's talking right at you. If you haven't already, go follow her on Instagram and YouTube. I'm so pumped for you to get a YouTube yes. channel. It looks like it's doing so well. Have you loved it? I have absolutely loved it. Yes. And I mean, YouTube is, it's a beast. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that goes into it. I mean, it can take me like eight hours to create one like 10 minute video. It's insane. I bet. But it's, I mean, if you guys can tell, I like to talk. I'm very, <laughs> I could go on forever. So I feel like that for me is just a really great platform because I get to just sit there and spill my guts, but yet I still get to do the creative piece and different editing techniques. I mean, my husband will just hear me editing because I'm always like making all of these noises and it's like, <laughs> yes, no. And it's just this it's, it's fun to get some creativity going. So it's like all the pieces that I love pulled into to one, one thing. So I've been absolutely loving it. That's awesome. Yes. That's exactly why Brooke and I started a podcast was because we could talk four days. Yes. <laughs> love it. Stopping. So much at work. Our boss was like, you guys, the Miller Corner needs to like turn it down a little bit. And um, yeah, we were just so passionate about learning. And I think that's another reason why mm -hmm. we started this podcast is we we started it without interviewing people. And of course we like realized how much diet culture was still affecting us early in the podcast. And then um, we started realizing, Oh my gosh, we still have food rules. And then we really dove just head into intuitive eating. And then we started mm -hmm. interviewing guests and every time we have a guest, like we all learn something new and then our listeners learn something new. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate you coming on here just because they can hear us talking all day all like all day long about intuitive eating and health every size but I think it's so good to hear other people's perspectives and we definitely mm -hmm. encourage our listeners to also follow other dietitians who preach intuitive eating health at every size therapists there's so many good podcasts out there and YouTube channels and we're just trying to really get that message out there because there's so many podcasts still entrenched in diet culture and if you look at the nutrition and health um category of podcasts like keto and intermittent fasting and all those things are still at the top. Mm -hmm. And so we are just like trying to spread this message with dietitians and therapists. And so we really appreciate the work you're doing. And um, if it's okay, do you guys want to dive into Noom? I wanted to mention something really quick mm -hmm. about kind of what you're saying, Brooke, is that intuitive eating is such a cool process or like the food freedom space to because it mm -hmm. does give you the space to say, I'm still learning forever. You know, it's not a diet that's like 30 days and then I'm done and now I know everything or I've done everything. It's ever changing. It's ever evolving. And I love that you touched on it, that it's it took you six years. I mean, I, I don't wish that for you, but that's such a very vulnerable, honest truth about how long it takes to let go of those food rules and really mm -hmm. hold on to food freedom. Brooke and I have talked about it for, you know, every episode almost, but both of us are five years plus into intuitive eating. And still it took us take like starting a podcast to get even deeper and deeper into it. So really incredible. I wanted to touch on that. But yeah, so today, the reason why I brought up YouTube was because I followed you on YouTube instantly as soon as you got a channel. <laughs> and one of your episodes really spoke to us because Brooke and I have been talking about wanting to do an episode on the Noom diet for a long time. Like at the beginning of our podcast, we mostly talked about different diets and kind of talked about like pros and cons spoiler, there was like never a pro, <laughs> but it was good to talk about. And we've been wanting to kind of tackle the Noom diet. 
And when I earn, you know, Noom app, I guess mm-hmm. they call it. They don't call it a diet. They say anti-diet. I'll get into that. <laughs> yes. But when you talked about trialing it, I was like, absolutely, she's our girl to talk to about this. So mm-hmm. can you t- share with us kind of what your inspiration was behind doing that video? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've really, I mean, everyone asks me always about different diets, what my thoughts are on them. And people kept asking me about Noom. And I'm like, to be honest, I did not know much about it. I knew it was an app and that's basically it. I knew it was kind of geared towards the anti-diet space, but I was like, I don't really know that much about this. So what I found the best way to answer questions, and I just did this with a couple other diets, is that I just want to actually see, okay, what are they telling me to do during the day rather than just me sitting here and researching it? Because that not only helps me understand the diet better, helps me really understand my stance on it and explain it to other people. So I've really loved, I'm really starting to do that. These, what I call diet triads. Okay. What are you actually telling me to do? Let me show you what it's telling me and let me explain it to you. So that's really what I did with Noom. And I went through all of the motions. I mean, and I documented it in my YouTube video and it was, like I said, I didn't know much about it going into it. And I really thought, I was like, oh, this seems like an anti-diet thing. It's going to be fabulous. I mean, as you just watch the video, you just kind of see, I'm just like, what the (laughs) heck? Like, this is not what I was expecting at all. And I mean, it was just so eye-opening. So my inspiration was really just people asking me about it. And that's really where I get my inspiration for all of my YouTube videos. Whatever I'm being asked Mm -hmm. I just want to research and be able to answer. So I was getting a lot of questions on the Noom diet. So I actually did two YouTube videos on it. One was just the overview. Okay, this is what they're telling me to do. And then I also did a kind of comparison to just a full day of eating on my regular day and kind of putting it all into Noom and seeing what they were telling me was kind of the no-go foods, which spoiler alert was a lot of the foods that I was (laughs) eating. Um, But yeah, it was just a totally eye-opening experience and just getting in the trenches and actually going through the motions was, like I said, it just allowed me to find my stance on it and be able to explain it a lot better. Yeah, that's incredible. So we never even downloaded the app because we didn't want to give it a download and we were so against it. So we, I thought about that too. I was like, am I like supporting this? But I was like, I want people to get just the, just do it once. Let me do it. So you don't have to. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm glad you did that because we looked up what the app was and just kind of read through Mm -hmm. reviews to see what people were saying about it. But I think your video is so much more clear. So I got way more out of your video than I did from other people. But just to touch on this too, I think as a dietitian, we get asked about a lot of different diets. And initially, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I have to try all these diets as a dietitian, so that I can tell my clients how they work. So like I did Whole30 thinking, oh, I'm just going to do this so I can tell my clients if it worked or it didn't or whatever. Mm -hmm. And really deep down, I was like, maybe this will make me feel better. Maybe I, and I necessarily wasn't thinking of weight loss, but maybe I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Maybe my skin will look better. Maybe my mood Mm -hmm. will improve. And I just had all these thoughts and guess what? Spoiler, nothing happened. But Mm -hmm. um, I think as dietitians, because we hear what does Weight Watchers work? Does this work? We often feel the need that we have to try it. And so I do really Mm -hmm. appreciate that you not, you know, you obviously didn't follow the plan, but Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you did 
explain it so well. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I loved that point, Brooke, because I felt the exact same way and actually told my husband while I was in clinical that I was like, I think I'm just going to try like two weeks on each diet and make a blog about it. And I I didn't end up going through with it because literally one day on a diet makes me want to cry and Mm -hmm. curl up in a tiny little ball. But (laughs) thank you for doing the work for us so that I love that so that we don't have to. The first time I heard about Noom, a friend of mine actually texted me and said, hey, have you heard about Noom? I think you'd really like it. It's a very mindful approach to food. And so I was Mm -hmm. immediately intrigued and was like, what? There's something out there. There's something out there for people to like be more mindful and be more intuitive and listen to their bodies and all this stuff. And then got a little disappointed after doing some research into it. And I think... I guess let's back up a little bit and talk about what Noom is. So Mm -hmm. if you guys don't know, Noom is an app out there that's preaching more of like, they call themselves an anti-diet, the last thing you'll ever need to lose weight, I think they said. And I think they also talk about finding um, food freedom or do you know what, like they have another tagline that's like very about food freedom and there's no good or bad food. So it can be very appealing for those of us who are interested in intuitive eating and food freedom and kind of hear those words and say, okay, this is a way I can have both, right? I think a lot of people look at it and say, oh, I can have food freedom, but also lose weight. And I can have food freedom and still kind of be on a diet and feel in my comfort zone and kind of continue on that path of tracking, but feel less maybe guilty about it. So it can be really intriguing and kind of pique people's interest, which is hard. You know, it's hard when we can look at it a little bit more objectively and see that know that the intention there is still weight loss and that's their purpose and that's their goal and those sort of things. But I loved some of the things you touched on your video. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about them. Um, The first thing that really stuck out to me that they do this kind of green, yellow, and red stoplight um, system with food. So they mm-hmm. have different foods in those categories. Can you explain a little bit more how they do that, how they categorize it and what you found going through that? Yeah. So the stoplight system, it was based on caloric density. So foods that are more calorie dense. So think like those fats, nut butter, avocado, those sorts of things are going to be in the red category and things that are more kind of water, you know, watermelon, those really veggies like spinach those things are very voluminous those are going to be more towards the greens and then the yellows is kind of that mid-range a lot of those protein sources kind of fall in there um so that was one of the things that I was like I mean I I get that they say all you you can eat foods from all categories they tell you to eat foods from all categories but we know that when you get to a stoplight, red, okay, stop, whoa, my high alert is up. If you label peanut butter as a red food, whoa, my high alert is up. When I reach for that peanut butter jar, I'm going to think twice and I'm going to second guess my choice. And, you know, should I be having this? And I get that, you know, not every single person in the population is going to think that way. But I think that it just really creates that poor relationship with food when you see it as a red food. And that's really what it comes down to is you stop seeing peanut butter as peanut butter, avocado as avocado. You see it as a red food. And you, I mean, again, a lot of us are perfectionists out there and we're like, okay, well, green, that must be better. So if I eat more of those, then I'm going to be better for, for doing that. And that's just totally not true. So I mean, I really get where they're coming from with the stoplight approach and especially saying that you can eat all the foods, but 
with the execution, it just doesn't happen that way. And not only did I, I mean, I experienced that, but so many people, I always pull on my Instagram because I want to get others real life experiences. I don't want it just to be, okay, I tried the diet and this is what happened. I want to get other people's thoughts on it. So a lot of people told me, you know, I tried new and it gave me a really poor relationship with food. I was just seeing the colors. Um, and I just think that just creates a really, really damaging relationship with food in the long term. And that's something that takes so long to repair because you're going to be seeing those foods as those colors for so long. Right. And I think colors can still signify like good and bad. So when we see red, we think bad. So even though they're not labeling it as a bad food, they're labeling it as red and we associate red with bad. And then, yeah, it's the crazy thing is too, if the red foods and the yellow foods are high in protein or high in healthy fats, if we mm-hmm. start eliminating those foods or cutting down those foods, we're going to be so hungry. And so Alyssa and I like really believe in like a balanced diet of, you know, have try to make most of your meals more, you know, carbs, um, proteins and fats so that you feel full longer and you're not hungry. But if you just start sticking with only green foods, and just kind of eliminating those those other ones, you're going to feel hungry and you're going to want to eat more and you're going to have more cravings. And so I just feel like it, it doesn't work. Like the stoplight approach, it's still similar to counting points on Weight Watchers, yes. you know? And here's the, the biggest thing that when I was really struggling with food that I experienced, with, you can be physically full. I mean, you can be physically stuffed, mm-hmm. but not be satisfied. And that was what I was experiencing when I would have a giant plate of spaghetti squash and chicken for dinner. And it's like my stomach is physically full, but yet I would find myself gravitating towards the pantry because I'm like, I need something because they didn't have that carb in there. I didn't have that fat in there. And that's where people get so frustrated because yes, you're physically full. You're literally making yourself uncomfortable because you're stuffing your stomach, but you don't have that satisfaction in there. And I think that we, again, associate that red with bad. So we say, okay, let me limit those. And that's just going to cause this this spiral where yes, you're going to start feeling physically and mentally uncomfortable because your stomach is full, but you're not satisfied. Mm -hmm. I love that. That reminds me of that quote, that old quote, a lot of people will say is if you're not hungry enough to eat an apple, then you're not hungry, Uh, which drives me nuts because it's like Mm -hmm. you guys are all you're paying attention to maybe is physiological hunger, like (laughs) that, that feeling of I'm about to starve anything in front of me, I'll eat. And it's that's not what eating food is about, right? There's the physical hunger, but there's also that satisfaction factor that we need to be reaching for and learning what our body responds to that way, too. So. That's uh, really hard. And I, I do, I loved how in the video you gave Noom some props of like, hey, this is going in the right direction. I appreciate what you're trying to do here. I appreciate that you're using like the psychology behind why we're calling certain foods good and bad and trying to undo that. But really, they're kind of just replacing it, mm-hmm. right? With Very this different. like stoplight system. <laughs> yeah. And they do build in. I, I liked you broke it down um, to what they recommend. And I didn't know if this was specific to you or just everybody, the 30% from green, 45% from yellow, and 25% from red. Um, mm-hmm. But they are clearly building in those red foods. They're not saying, hey, as, as little as you can of those foods. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, okay, you're allowed 25%. Now, in our heads, we don't want to say that we have to allow anything for you because you're in charge of you, but at least they are heading slowly, even inching towards that direction of it's okay to eat all foods, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. 
Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about that I really loved was talking about the, f- and I, I do feel like Brooke and I talk about this, but maybe we need to hit it home a little more, is that you're not against weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. None of us are. Yeah. We're not against yeah. weight loss, right? Can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit more about kind of how this misconception of food freedom and intuitive eating has gotten to this point of the fact that we're against weight loss? Yeah. And I always say, I mean, nothing your body is going to find a place where it feels best at. And I firmly believe that you deserve to feel mentally and physically comfortable in your body in the way that you're eating. And I think that it gets lost a lot on social media because we post, I mean, all these donuts and cookies and whatnot. And people think, okay, well, that's the way that I'm I'm just supposed to start, you know, letting myself eat these as much as I want. And that it's just gotten this association that weight gain equals food freedom. And that's in some cases, yes, you do gain weight. In other cases, you lose weight. In other cases, you maintain weight. And all I can say, every all three of those things happen. Bottom line is you are going to get to a place where you're fueling your body in a way that feels good. If you are really, really restricting your food and you're not giving your body the nourishment that it needs, then you're likely going to gain weight and get to a place where you feel good. That's a definite possibility. But I think that there's a large population that is also going to lose weight and people that kind of gets lost and know that's not the goal. But I mean, I'm just being real. It's an outcome that does happen that we, especially when you're stuck in that restrict binge cycle and you are emotional eating, those are really common characteristics of people who may lose weight when they start to find food freedom because they're allowing themselves to eat foods. They're starting to listen to their body and say, when I, you know, have some veggies with dinner that, you know, I sleep a little better, or, you know, I feel a little bit better. And that is where they may lose weight. And there's another set that's going to maintain weight. And that is not, none of those outcomes are bad. And I just think that really gets lost in social media. And that's why it's just so important to make sure that you are understanding who you're really following on social media, because it can get lost just because someone says in their bio that they are an intuitive eater or food freedom, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So it's just really kind of looking at the people who you're following, looking at what they're preaching and just really listening to your gut, listening to what makes you feel good and just bottom line, you deserve to feel mentally and physically good in your body. And sometimes that's losing weight, gaining weight or maintaining weight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we all understand, like, we're against intentional striving for weight Mm -hmm. loss. But again, if you are doing intuitive eating, the intuitive eating approach, and you're feeling better, and you're nourishing yourself, and you happen to lose weight, that's fine. But yeah, we don't Mm -hmm. agree with, hey, come to me, I'm going to help you lose 10 pounds in two months. And, you know, and you're set for life, you're going to be happy. That's not really how it works. (laughs) 100%. Yes. And acknowledging that each person has their own body that feels empowered or disempowered in different scenarios and situations and different foods. And I think just like Noom, you know, and many diets out there, it puts all these foods into the category of good, bad, red, yellow, light, red, yellow, green, um, or any other weight 
uh, or percentage points or points or whatever, and puts all these foods in the same category, regardless of who you are and what you enjoy, what you feel good after eating. It's not an individualistic approach. They're trying to basically take everyone and put them into these categories, which just is not sustainable and not real life. (laughs) So um, I also wanted to talk about a study that you did reference in your YouTube channel, which was awesome, is that 60% of people saw weight loss one year out. Now, do you remember, were people still using the Noom app a year out or had they been done with it like the four months and then they were done? Do you remember? To be honest, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what that was, what the exact study was, but yeah, it's just really interesting. And I think that's another really important topic is that, okay, what do you do long-term? And I mean, people deal with this with so many diets. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you supposed to use it forever? You know, it's it's almost like it becomes, it can become obsessive or you don't know how to choose without seeing it in the app. And I think that just adds just a lot of stress and anxiety and kind of it. Now I did hear that the farther along you go in with Noom, they do start to try to wean you off of it. Now, I, that's all hearsay, so I can't speak to that, but that would be really interesting to kind of see, okay, where were those people at? Were they still logging things? Cause I think that's the biggest thing for me is that anytime you tell me I have to log something, like, I don't care how you tell me I can eat whatever I want. Like that's going to cause such a poor relationship with food, especially, you know, if it's a stoplight system counting calories, which Noom also did give you a calorie budget mm-hmm. um, for the day. I mean, I just think that that's just not sustainable. I, I had one person tell me, I don't want to be in a nursing home counting the points or counting the calories in my chocolate pudding. Like, that's what, kind of like what are you going to be doing for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, you know, us, Brooke and I as moms too, like with kids around, like I don't even, when they're, seven or eight. I don't want them being like, oh, why is mom have a journal out while she's eating all the time? You know, I mean, there's, there are things that are more important than logging your food and sticking to your calorie budget. And like you said, as soon as you give them these tools to count calories or put these foods in different categories, it's silly of us to think that we're still able to be really flexible in that. Now, maybe there are some people out there who can be for their life and not worry about it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people. And I haven't met one yet. So (laughs) there's definitely some mental um, gymnastics that happen around these labeling of food that is really hard to a like you said before, undo. So undo Mm -hmm. all that work. It takes a long time. But also once you let go of Noom and decide, hey, I can't pay the 50 bucks a month anymore. So I'm going to get off Noom. Then what do you do? You're stuck. You're you're in the situation where an app is no longer telling you what to eat or how much of it to eat. You have to rely on yourself. And in reality, this app hasn't taught you anything because it's not intended to you guys. And this is where diet culture comes in, is they're not trying to get you in a place where you can be independent and do this for yourself for the rest of your life. They're trying to make you rely on the next best thing so that they can keep taking your money. I know that sounds so harsh and so mean, but it's very true. They're trying to keep you on the hook. And that's why they won't give you the science like a lot of dietitians will, because they don't want you to know it for yourself. 
that's right. so well, mean, but it's true. And when you eventually fail, so like let's say in a year from now, they're still doing great. And then the next year they go off Noom, they gain all of the way back or more. And I would, I would assume most people do, not necessarily all of them, mm-hmm. but let's say they do. Now they're thinking, well, Noom worked for me before, so I'm going to 100% go back to it. And it's just like Weight Watchers. They jump back to it. They spend their money on it. And then again, they probably do see results because usually with restriction, you see short-term results. They see results. They think, yep, Noom is the magic solution. And then they eventually go off of it. And then, of course, like the more you go up and down with restriction and dieting, the higher your set point weight goes, which again, you know, Health at Every Size talks about that. But it's just, it's like this cycle. And so I think the best advice is, that we give is just work with a dietitian or dietitians. It's maybe better to work with several dietitians, do different programs with different dietitians who preach intuitive eating and health at every size, because that should be really the last stop on the train. You know, we want you all to get to the point where you're not depending on points. You're not depending on a stoplight system. You're not depending on a machine to tell you how many calories to eat. And the other thing I found interesting about your video was they how, how do you call something not a diet and then prescribe like 1200 calories a day? That's like what literally my child eats and he's, you know, one, you know, it's just what? I know. And that's, you, you said it so perfectly. I mean, that's where the trickery of diet culture comes in and it's really, we get quote unquote results with these diets because yes, if you are basically not eating much at all, you're probably going to lose weight because your body is just using its stores that it has. But when you actually allow yourself to eat food again, so if you stop counting or you, you know, go off Noom, then your body's like, okay, finally, I'm getting some food here. And it just creates the cycle where I need to go back to what quote unquote worked in the short term. And then that's how it just becomes this cycle. I mean, so many people just keep saying, I have to go back to this. And it's like, no, it's, you should never have to go back to something again. It's that tricky little diet culture peskiness that makes you think that it's, like I said, quote unquote, working, but it's just causing that cycle that it's like, you're just on a hamster wheel and you're just going to keep running for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you guys, I know we've been dogging on Noom a lot. We gave it its little bit of prompts that it has, but I really encourage you to go check out Colleen's YouTube video. We'll definitely link it below and her Instagram handle, but um, to learn more about it, because she goes really in depth about it and, um, you know, does the pros, does the cons, gives her opinion, which is incredible and really clear. And then I did want to talk with you a little bit too and share with our listeners, what would you recommend to do instead? Like, let's say someone either is on Noom right now listening to this Mm -hmm. and being like oh whoa you know the sirens are going off and they're like I had no idea you know I did the bait and switch where I thought it was intuitive eating but now you know you're Mm -hmm. telling me it's actually a diet or they were thinking about going on Noom or they've been on a hundred other things what would you say to that person listening right now Mm -hmm. I always say step number one is to actually read the intuitive eating book and I just think that there's so much that gets lost with social media. And yes, it's absolutely fabulous. If you follow your favorite anti-diet dietitians and really dive into the intuitive eating space, but there's only so much that can be 
thrown into, you know, limited sized captions or funny graphics. I mean, I think that step one is to really read the intuitive eating book and, or, I mean, I'm an audible lover, so you can listen to it. Um, I have a YouTube video on, I think it's five different book recommendations that I have. And some of them are a little bit more, the intuitive eating book is a classic book. I mean, there are some books that recommend too. body kindness is another really good one. Um, but I think that the more you can do reading the actual books is going to be the best place to start because it's going to help you really understand. And it's going to be, to be honest, help you do this a lot faster because it's going to just kind of, it's going to take the guesswork out of it. I mean, there's, it's, there's never an easy way to do it, but rather than just trying to scrap together, you know, information from social media, go right to the source and read the book. That would be my first place to start. Yeah, I love that because there's so many nuances, you guys, that we, Mm -hmm. like you said, no matter how many cute, funny captions or even hard hitting captions we write, we can't include all the nuances there. Mm -hmm. It's everyone's so individualized. Food is so individualized. There's so many things to consider when making a choice. Um, We talked about this a little bit in another podcast episode where there are strategies you can use from intuitive eating that you might learn on Instagram more often than other strategies. And you try Mm -hmm. to apply those and it's not working for you and you can't figure out why, because that's not your strategy in that moment. You know, everything is ever changing and evolving. And I know that's, I know as a type A person that that's not what you want to hear and you want a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. and you want a meal plan and you want a calorie number because that's how I was. But honestly, Mm -hmm. the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I love your tip about it actually goes faster when you read the book because hands down, absolutely it does. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about weighing yourself with the Noom thing? Because I know like Whole30, they say don't weigh yourself and then Noom is every day. Yes, I, oh my gosh. And I actually asked my, so you get like a Noom coach and I had messaged her. I don't know if I ever got an actual response on, okay, well, I don't want to weigh myself all day. I literally said it was going to become obsessive for me. And I don't think they ever actually addressed that, but Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, weighing yourself every day, guys, the scale goes up multiple pounds. If you don't poop that day yet, if you have drank a big glass of water and I don't care if you say, I'm just going to, you know, the the number won't affect me. It will, whether we think or not, there's, we know we have, you know, diet cultures told us if the scale goes up, it's bad. If it goes down, it's good. It just don't put yourself in that situation. We can say as much as we want. I mean, I've done this a million times. I'm going to step on the scale and I'm going to be fine with whatever number that is. It'll be fine. That's a total lie because it's going to impact you one way or another. Either we get on the scale and the number's higher and we're upset and that causes us to restrict or we're upset and that causes us to emotionally eat or the number's lower and that makes us feel like we quote unquote can eat more. So then we go eat more and it just causes us just, I mean, it does influence the way that you eat, the way that you nourish your body, your mood. I mean, I remember stepping on the scale. I, I used to weigh myself way, I, I mean, multiple times a day. It was so just addictive. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, for people who are really that type A personality, it does become that kind of addictive thing that we feel like we have to do. And I mean, if I didn't feel good about that number, it impacted my mood. It impacted the way I, you know, 
treated my family, my friends, I was always cranky, or maybe I was having a really good day if I thought the number was quote unquote good. Um, but oh my gosh, yes, I just, that just, anytime you use numbers, it just takes away from actually listening to your body. Because like I said, it's going to impact no matter what the number says, it's going to impact you in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you make decisions out of that. You know, I really liked how you said that because it can go any which way, you know, and for everyone it's different. But for me, I used to weigh myself once a week. So the day before I would exercise and barely eat anything like Mm -hmm. as if like, whatever. It's just ludicrous to look back on because that's not even my true weight then. You know, if I am manipulating it that much, that's not my true weight throughout the other six days of the week or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have this thing, like you said, you step on the scale, you're either deflated or elated or whatever. And then you make Mm -hmm. decisions out of that. Like, oh, I lost two pounds. So yes, I will have another slice of cheesecake, even though my body's saying no, and I'm Mm -hmm. full and I feel almost a little bit sick or I'm lactose intolerant or whatever. You make decisions out of that what that number said on the scale versus like you said, that's, it's going to quiet your voice of listening to your actual body and your actual cues. So for Noom to recommend that is really, really difficult. And I think, you know, putting it back in the perspective of, okay, why would they ask that? And the only reason you can really come up with is because they want you to think that it's working and it's successful and to remember them when things all of a sudden aren't going the way you want them to go. Well, and they probably track their results. Like as dietitians, intuitive eating dietitians, we're not tracking our results with our clients on their weight. We're tracking our Mm -hmm. results on do they have a positive relationship with food? Are they feeling better mentally, physically? Are they stronger? Maybe they went from never exercising to finding something they truly enjoy. Now they're more active. Um, These are things that we care about. These are the results that we're driven by. But Noom, you know, they want to know in a year, are people still down? And I want to know too, like, does that mean that everybody's one pound less than what they were? Like, what does weight loss mean? Could that, could that mean literally they're one pound down after a year? Is that still considered weight loss to their study? And then again, let's see their study in two years, because if I just, I I have a hard time believing that those stats are going to be the same in two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially once they let go of the app, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's where the research kind of sticks. Um, I did also want to talk a little bit about your food and mood journal that you reference in your YouTube. Hey, puppy. We what's all up? Have them. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Our, my dog luckily can't find me in the closet. And oh, both nice. my kids are napping. So oh, that's pretty gosh. glorious. Amazing. Well, my dog is napping on the couch, but I forgot to take off his collar. And I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't get up and shake because he's going to jingle, jingle. Hey, our listeners are used to dogs and babies at this point and bad sound because of qu- like quarantine life. Yeah. So sorry about oh, that. No. <laughs> we were just talking life. about how we have the exact same situation. I'm literally in my closet because that's where you can't hear my dogs and my kids. <laughs> The UPS guy just came. So. Oh, oh lucky you. Protect, lucky protect, you. Protect me. Yes. Thank you, buddy. Yes, okay, exactly. go ahead. Um, no, I was just saying, you mentioned in your YouTube video, your food and mood journal. And I love mm-hmm. that. And I was wondering if maybe you could share that with our listeners, because I don't think that's something we've really talked about before here in our podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's really great because I think that a lot of people, when they start just doing intuitive eating based on what they see on social media, a lot of times they just start 
just kind of eating all the things and that's where it stops. And I think that for that, I mean, like I said, I, it took me so long and I was stuck in that phase for so long where I was just, okay, I'm eating all the rice that I never let myself eat. I'm eating all the pasta. I'm eating all the donuts, but I, I knew I wasn't feeling the best, but I didn't really know why I thought I was doing everything quote unquote right. But it wasn't, I wasn't connecting the dots. And I think that's where kind of that food and mood journal can really help with that. So it's not logging your food. It's not even writing down the foods that you're eating. It's literally just a reflection. So you could do it on a weekly, you know, cadence, if that's what you want to do and just say, okay, you know, let me look back on this week. You know, how did I feel, you know, with my eating choices? Did I, feel super hungry? Did I feel super stuffed? Did, you know, a certain day, did I feel like I could take on the world that I had like a bunch of energy? You know, maybe there's a day when you realize, man, you know what, I have a smoothie in the morning. It's just, it's so easy. It's delicious. It's nourishing. That works great for me. And it does take that reflection and kind of assessment of your food choices to say, you know, this feels good. This didn't really feel good. Maybe you sit down and I don't know, maybe you sometimes people find out like, you know, having too much fiber doesn't make me feel good or having too much. Maybe I do have a little bit of lactose intolerance. I mean, you can learn so much about yourself, but you have to allow yourself to reflect. And I get that that can be very scary. And I wouldn't say you need to do a food and mood journal right away. I would say the first step is to get yourself to actually allow yourself to eat the foods, but then layer that in because that's where really the gentle nutrition aspect comes into play. And you say, okay, now that I'm eating all foods, no foods are good or bad. Let me kind of fine tune this and say, how can I eat in a way that makes me feel my best and just not have that obsession come back in. So just kind of a reflection, you can do it, like I said, on the weekly, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, but just kind of allowing yourself to really connect those dots where I think that a lot of people kind of fall short on this whole intuitive eating, especially when they just go off of social media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's hard with social media too, because I follow so many intuitive eating dietitians. And even though for the most part, we preach the same message, there's still a little confusion. Like I've still come Mm -hmm. across some where they promote intuitive eating, but they're promoting weight loss. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, that's a little, you know, I don't think a lot of us would agree with that. And then I also see some other posts that are a little bit questionable. And again, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but I think when you really get entrenched in this and you really understand it, those are things that you wouldn't necessarily be preaching. And so I think it can be very confusing for people who are just going off of social media because they're probably getting mixed messages based on who they're following. You know, and I think everybody that we've interviewed on the podcast are with intuitive eating dietitians. They're all people that we agree with. And that's why we interview them on the podcast. We want to get their names out there. We want um, our listeners to follow as many dietitians and therapists that that we believe in and so I think it is hard just going off social media and it's so important for for clients to really be on a journey with a dietitian or multiple Mm -hmm. dietitians to just get the whole you know the to get the real journey that they deserve because they're just cutting themselves short if they don't really fully understand it yes totally and I think Sorry. And I think um, Brooke and I talk about this actually in our intuitive eating course. One of the questions to ask yourself when you're 
posed with either a person, a coach, a um, app or whatever you might be facing when you're posed with that, what to ask yourself to see if that's something that is in line with intuitive eating or if it's outside kind of the bounce of intuitive eating and maybe preaching something not fully in the right um, headspace is, is this trying to get me to learn my own internal cues or is this teaching me to rely on an external cue to decide if that's a good choice or a bad choice. And I love the food and mood, food, mood journal, food and mood journal. (laughs) I love the way you like worded it. Um, But uh, it's such a great way to get more in tune with your internal cues because you're not, once you learn how to let go of that food police and that guilt when you're writing foods down and they're just observations and it's out of curiosity of what happens to my body, how do I feel when, and no one else is looking at that journal, right? You can write things down and not feel judged, not feel shame, not feel fear, and really get into the nuances of your own body and make observations and choices out of that, which is really cool. And honestly, the biggest place where my intuitive eating journey shifted, and it actually came out of, I was having side pain that I've mentioned here before, and that's where my food journal came from, was I started journaling about foods I was eating and how I felt afterwards. And then it turned into this like intuitive eating practice of like, oh, I never realized that I don't love, you know, X, Y, and Z for lunch all the time. It actually makes me extremely tired in the afternoon. And then I would try to switch it up. And originally I was switching it up for my side pain, but eventually it became, oh, I just feel better overall. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of like some really huge strides in my intuitive eating journey happened. So I love that you mentioned that in your YouTube video. And thanks for talking to us a little bit more about it yeah oh I was gonna ask you just about Noom um the health coaches that they have do you know yes I want to talk about that are there any registered dietitians I mean maybe maybe there are I don't know but yeah so I there are registered dietitians who are Noom coaches however they're not functioning as a like they're not providing registered dietitian services um but that was definitely something that i know some of the people in the comments said well noom does have registered dietitians yes i could also go work in retail and be a registered dietitian i mean (laughs) that doesn't necessarily mean that you are performing registered dietitian services I love that distinction. That's really important. So yeah, let's maybe do a little teaser of what your video kind of ends in uh, the plot twist, as you call it on the YouTube video, because you had a Noom coach, right? And you kind of put her through the ringer, which I love. I love it. It's the best part of the whole thing. <laughs> it's right at the end, you guys. So maybe you don't have to give it all away, although the title kind of does. But yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. So I got, I got kicked out. I mean, I, I go into more detail in on why, but Basically, I was just, I, I was a little bit speaky. I mean, I was testing Noom a little bit and just kind of on the weight loss goals that I had said I had and just kind of seeing, okay, would they catch this? Um, you know, would they say that my weight loss goal was realistic, that it wasn't realistic? Because um, I, I mean, I knew that it wasn't realistic, but would they tell me that or would they just keep coaching me to do it, even though I knew it was not going to be good for me. And finally they caught on and I I had to, had to give them kind of props for it because it was good that they were like, you know what, you shouldn't be doing this anymore. Um, This is not healthy for you. So I was like, that's, you know, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, to be honest, it was kind of funny how it all happened because it was, it just happened so fast. I mean, basically one day she wasn't really respond, very responsive to me. 
um, throughout my couple of weeks of my trial. And then until like, it was just a day or two before my trial was to end, she was like, okay, this isn't, um, you know, going to be good for you. We're going to have to let you go. You won't be able to participate anymore. And then I got just emails. Okay, you're done. And I couldn't like <laughs> walk in anymore. I was like, okay, see you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's really funny. I think, you know, that's really good because it really does show the distinction between working with a professional one-on-one or in a group setting that's qualified and able to kind of pick up on those small little nuances of, you know, Mm -hmm. even just little emails that you might be writing of like asking like, is it okay if I weigh myself two times a day instead of once a day? You know, Mm -hmm. that we as dietitians and health professionals are going to be able to pick up on that to say, oh, things are turning into kind of an obsession for this person or it's Mm -hmm. it's crossing a a border or a a boundary for them and be able to pull back and talk to them. Whereas on this app, you know, they are just health coaches. And even though some of them might be dietitians, a lot of them are not from my understanding. So, and they go through their own credentialing process, which... Mm -hmm is a step. It's more than what some people do. Um, but I think it's, it's really important that you made that distinction on there and and showed that, Hey, as a dietitian, I know what's healthy and what's not, especially for myself. And I put them through the ringer and they kind of froze, you know? And I mean, yes, I'm glad that they kicked you out and were like, this isn't good for you (laughs) and set up that boundary, but also to not even give you any resources of where you can go. You know, there are, Mm -hmm. there are further things that healthcare professionals would do for you in that situation. So I think that's really interesting, but you guys definitely go check out her YouTube video on Zoom or on Zoom. And we're on Zoom. On Noom. (laughs) And um, all of her YouTube videos, they're so, so helpful. And obviously on Instagram, you're just killing it over there with awesome information and really, really quality content. So thank you for everything you do for this space and these people. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to say? I'd love for you to kind of tell people where else they can find you and um, some of your fun programs you've got going on. Yeah. So like you said, you can find me on Instagram at no.food.rules. I'm Colleen Christensen on um, YouTube. So those are my main platforms. I also have a blog, ColleenChristensenNutrition.com. And I post um, just really insightful articles that can help you on your intuitive eating journal. And I also post a lot of recipes because now that I'm to the place where food is fun again, I absolutely love cooking. So that's what I was doing earlier today. I made a chicken wing recipe and a donut recipe. So I'm excited about kind of that aspect of it. Um, and then I have a membership called the society where you really, I guide you through really, honestly, like I said, what I've learn from my six years and what's allowed me to find this freedom and just try to share what I've learned so that you don't have to take six years and waste your life. Because I was talking to my husband last night and I really struggled a lot in college and we were just talking about college and I was like, I don't remember much from college. I remember food and I remember calories and that's about it. And it just hurts my heart. Like I, I was getting emotional when I was saying that. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember anything. And everyone says, Oh, you know, I love college or, you know, that was the best time. And I was like, no, I just remember food. And I just never want anyone to have to go through that because 
you deserve to go out and go on an ice cream run or make donuts or, you know, make the grandma's cookies and actually eat them versus just, you know, feeling traumatized if someone asks you to look the beater, like mm. live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Live your life. Your recipes look incredible. I have yeah. saved several that I plan on making yes. <laughs> once I have normal access to flour again. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And her video on your personal story and your personal journey to intuitive eating is on YouTube too. And that's that, bring your to your, or bring your uh, tissues, you guys. It, it was a good one. It was really good. I think I got a little teary in that video too. And I usually, I mean, I'm not like a huge crier, but yeah. It's emotional, <laughs> it you know, even what you just said really brought up some chills in me because I can remember times in my life where I was obsessive and that's all you can think about. And mm-hmm. the way that it takes over your life, you guys, it's slow. It's so slow. Mm-hmm. And when you're out of it is really when you can look back and go, oh my gosh, that's all I thought about. That's all I cared about. That's all I saw. And you missed opportunities with people who maybe have passed on, you know, like grandma's mm-hmm. cookies you're talking about. Like, oh, it's, it can be really emotional. Food's really emotional. This journey's really emotional. But um, you you do a beautiful job telling stories and talking about it. So thank you. Thank you. So yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We so appreciate it. And thank you, Colleen, for being here. It was so awesome to meet with you, chat with you and just find another friend here in the intuitive eating world that we love and adore. So all right, you guys, we hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. It was so, so fun chatting with Colleen and getting into the nitty gritty of the Noom diet, which Brooke and I have been talking about doing literally since we launched our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Colleen. We love you. We can't wait to have you back. And we have some exciting news on the forefront, but we need your help, guys. So we have a link in our bio. And in that link, there is a survey. It's a three-minute survey, and it is going to help us make great content for you and great podcast episodes for you. So we want to find out what you are struggling with most, what you need the most help with, and what content you are craving to hear from us. So please do that three-minute survey for us. That would be great. And then we also have a link to our email list. And each month we will be giving away some exciting freebies in our email for you. Yeah. Last month, Brooke sent out a free recipe book that we compiled together and it's filled with some of our favorite recipes. So you can also always email us for that. If you missed it, you didn't join the email list soon enough and you missed it and you want it. We still have that content available. You just have to ask. So thanks so much for tuning in today, you guys, and we will see you next Tuesday. 